Welcome to the CTO Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the challenges and opportunities facing today's chief technology officers. Looking to discover what it takes to succeed as a CTO? Then sit back and relax as we explore the fascinating evolution of the world of technology leadership. Here's the host of the CTO Podcast, the founder of Seven CTOs, Etienne de Bruin. Welcome to the CTO Podcast. I'm your host and the founder of Seven CTOs, Etienne de Bruin. And this week, we're going to discuss some best practices for leading and managing your teams. Joining me is Zhang Yin, who is the co-founder and CTO at Merico, which builds data-driven developer tools to equip engineering teams with everything they need to build great teams, code, and products. Their analytics reveal insights from your DevOps, delivery, and code base so you can spend more time on your products and customers and less time on debugging and guesswork. Yesterday, Hajong and I talked about managing international engineering teams. Today, we're going to get to the meat and potatoes, contribution analysis for your dev team. Okay, here's my conversation with Hajong Yin, the co-founder and CTO at Merico. Hajong, you're back. Thank you, Tian. I'm excited to be back. Yesterday, we talked about how you manage your team, but I'm super eager to learn more about your product, contribution analysis. It sounds like you were inspired by the open source way of doing things. You said that you found your co-founder, you found some common ground around research that your co-founder did, and this is sort of how Merico was born. Get a little technical with us on how you found this inspiration around measuring the developer contribution. So I met my co-founder on a friend's wedding. And during the wedding, we were talking about the open source funding problem. So remember the how the open SSL project, super important project used everywhere is only maintained by two developers. And they're taking all the burden to you know move that project forward. So we were talking about this problem and see if there's a way that we can better support open source developers. And one idea we had at the time is to have an algorithm that looks into your Git repository and all the relevant data and then decide how much relative contribution each developer makes to the project. What this can do is to help with the open source distribution problem. Let's say tomorrow, ETN and I collaborate on the open source project, and we got 100K donations from Google or whichever company. How do we decide to distribute that amount of donation to all of the contributors we have? Imagine we have 1,000 contributors in the project. It's going to be impossible for us to do it by ourselves, right? So we need a more, a smarter way to do this automatically. So that's the algorithm we are trying to work together through research. So we collaborated on that research project for about a year and a half when I was still a PhD at UC Berkeley. And at that point, we published our paper and we decided that this is only going to continue if we bring it to the real world. We actually you know, put this idea to reality and see if it works. So that's when I stopped my PhD and I co-founded this company with my co-founder. 
Okay, let me just pause you there for a sec because measuring contribution, I'm assuming it's not by number of lines of code contributed. It's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you geek out for us a little bit on, on how you measure contribution, maybe according to that research paper? Absolutely. The lines of code you mentioned was the state of art, to be honest. You know, wow. This is a really tricky question, and we don't claim to have the complete answer to it. But back then, when we started it, it's really just either lines of code or number of commits. Actually, these are the metrics that GitHub Insights display to all developers if you go to GitHub, right? So when we started working on this problem, we were thinking that we need to look deeper into the code. We need to better understand the relative importance of different pieces of code. And so that's when we started to look into a algorithm that's similar to PageRank. If you think about how PageRank figures out you know, the relative importance of web pages, we are using that idea to figure out the relative importance of different functions in your code base. And the links between web pages, if we take that analogy to source code, is the function call relationship between functions. So we construct the call graph of your code base, and then we run the page-like algorithm on this call graph to decide the relative importance of each function. So, dude, write the functions that everyone else is using. Exactly. So that will give you a, a ton of uh, page rank values for, from writing that function. I love that so much. So just to talk about myself a little bit for a sec, I had this idea that's probably been flogged like a dead horse, but my idea was, can I create a startup I was inspired by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck's new production company. I don't know if you, where, where they said they were going to distribute all the income from the movies across everybody who worked on that movie. I mean, that's kind of what I got from it. Or oh, I think 50% like divided up so that everybody participates. And I was thinking how wonderful that would be for a startup where you could have a, the repo with all the services and all the code being written and then somehow be able to figure out the equity distribution for, let's say, 50% of the company, maybe even 80% of the company is owned by the developers and that that breakdown is done. Is this what we're talking about? Is it this? Is it Merico or is it a widely adopted thinking and research being done in this space that is not necessarily what Merico does? So we are certainly not the only ones looking into this. I know multiple other, you know, some open source projects or companies that are also working towards this goal. So we call this intellectual shareholding, right? The end goal is to make every developer a shareholder of the open source project they're working on by contributing intellectually. Is this what Merico does? This is our mission. There's a long way from where we are to that ultimate vision. Because if we only look at Git repository, it's just code contributions, right? But there are so much more than just code contributions in contributing to open source. I might be someone who's answering questions in the open source Discord or Slack channel. I'm not making a line of contribution, but I'm very valuable to the open source community. Unfortunately, our algorithm isn't good enough to be the only judge for the contribution to open source projects. So 
we haven't really deployed our algorithm for open source community yet. But that inspired our follow-up work that we are currently working on. I really think this is incredible. I love this. Let's talk about inherited code and technical debt. So a lot of times companies will MVP, bootstrap, rush their initial product version one product. Sometimes that turns into product version two, you know, and then you start hacking away at this architecture and you start fixing parts of it. And, the, you know, you kind of have a bit of a Frankensteinian system. And I think that probably accurately describes all systems on earth today. It's a, There's multiple people that have worked on it generational differences in how to approach coding. And so what I'm interested in right now is, is if I have a team of, let's say, three or four developers that have inherited a code base, would I be able to tell based on either your system or some of this research, how much of the code in that code base is now the ownership has been claimed by the small team and the rest is all the stuff they inherited? So that I can go back to my co-founders and CEO and say, listen, our team is slowly but surely getting rid of technical debt, which has come from 80% of the code that still hasn't been written by this existing team today. Yes. So the way our algorithm works is we assign a value to each commit. So that value is, you can think of it as the credit, you know, contributed, assigned to that commit. And then every commit, is associated with its author, right? So essentially, if you run the algorithm, you can see, you know, how much each author has contributed to the project so far. I guess you can, you know, pull up a report of the contribution by the original team and the new team that's taking over to see, you know, how much of the code base has been rewritten by the new team and how much is still left, you know, from the original team. So let's say, I'm going to use a really simple example. Let's say Bob was the first guy and he wrote a hundred lines of code and Alice comes in, Bob leaves and Alice comes in and she rewrites half of that code and has reduced 50 lines of Bob's code down to only 10 lines. Yes. So we are not using lines of code, but I think that's a great example. This is intellectual shareholding, right? So in terms of shareholding, at the very beginning, Bob owns 100% shares of this project. But later on, as there are more you know, investors coming in while they're investing with their intellectual contribution, those people get shares of this project by proportion of their intellectual contribution. So Bob's contribution, well, Bob's shares would gradually decrease from you know, 100% to maybe 50%, 30%. The more the other people contribute, the less Bob shares will be. Fascinating. And again, like you said, it's not necessarily lines of code. Yes. So it's the contribution or the credit that is determined by the algorithm. Got it. Got it. And is it time-based? Is it based on frequency or age? So I think the way to think about this is... One code contribution will become less and less important over time. So there's a decaying factor of the contribution over time. So that's the time fa that's the time dimension we are factoring in the, into the algorithm. Unless you wrote the method 
that everybody is instantiated in the class that everyone's using all the time. That's a very accurate insight. So in that case, your contribution will be reinforced by the new links calling your function, and that will triumph over the time decaying factor. I love that. So let's talk about the value. You know, Dora Metrics, I think it's safe to say, caused a revolution really in the way SaaS companies worked. The DevOps report by Google, the Accelerate book, these things have all, I think, have had remarkable impact, not only on developer, a common language for developers, but also in service to you know, CICD and this whole deploy a thousand times a day kind of thing. Tell me, how do you see these things? Do you love the Dora metrics? Are there other metrics that you prefer, other modalities that Merico adopts? Let's speak a little bit to what you're seeing in the industry and the kind of service that you're providing. So I think the value of metrics really come down to how do we measure anything that we're doing here, right? how much value they're delivering, how much impact they have. So I think that's the really the value of those metrics. And the magic of Dora is that it actually matters to multiple shareholders in the company. Because if you're not a developer, you probably don't care about you know, how many bugs you fix or how many issues you ship you know, this week, right? But you do care about how fast we're deploying new features to the customer, how fast we are resolving an incident in production environment. These things is really are the bridge between the engineering department and every other department in the company. So I think that's something that can align different departments in the company to drive engineering efforts forward. So I think that's the magic of Dora Metrics. Tell me a bit about some other metrics or other ways in which you see that you prefer. So for other metrics, we have many metrics that are supporting the four key metric of Dora metrics. So there are actually more than just four metrics in the Accelerate report, but these are the four keys, right? But there are many metrics that can help us debug the four key metrics. So let's imagine next week, you know, one of your Dora metrics was cut in half or, you know, doubled. How would you figure out what's happening, right? What's the root cause of it? Then you need to look at more granular, you know, metrics, like what is your PR cycle time, right? Like if your door metric, your change lead time gets doubled. Maybe it's because your PR pickup time gets doubled and that's causing, you know, your, your slower in delivering new features to your customers. So we have a range of features that can support a debugging of door features. And you look at them when something goes wrong. Fascinating. So as we wrap this up, basically you integrate with an existing code CICD platform, if I'm saying this correctly, and then you can start monitoring and seeing what's going on and you roll various signals into rolled up metrics like Dora. And that in turn provides a CTO or VP of engineering or head of engineering with some delicious insights into what is happening in their team. Yes. And we are actively contributing to an open source project called Apache DevLake. 
which is free and open source and can help you track your Dora metrics or any engineering metrics that you're interested in. I love it. So final question, do you see an impact on developer teams when this type of data surfaces? What is the impact on developers when they know that the CTO has insight and visibility into all these things? Many of our users find their process more efficient because now everyone is speaking the same language. Now they're all aligned on things what they think are important because otherwise, you know, they might be working on something that their manager or their director you know, might not value that much. Now there's a common goal that they can work together towards. So let's say they want to drive a effort to resolve some tech debt, right? Now they can use these metrics to help them make the argument. Like these refactor is going to help with you know, our deployment frequency. It's going to make it easier for us to resolve incidents in production later. So I think many developers have learned to use these metrics as their weapon instead of weapon from the management to move their agenda forward. There you have it, weaponizing dev metrics. That's awesome, Hajang. I love it. You know, at seven CTOs, really important that we have a sound and a best practice code organization, code updating. All of that is obviously related to the Dora metrics. So it's really cool to see a company like yours come in and make that available to CTOs. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Etienne. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the CTO podcast. Thanks to Hajong Yin, co-founder and CTO at Merico for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Hajong, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is H-E-Z-H-E-N-G-Y or visit his company website at merico.dev. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to ctopod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. And if you want to share your stories of technical strategy and leadership in the C-suite, you can apply to be a guest speaker on the CTO podcast. Of course, you can always find us on social media. Our handle is 7CTOs on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is E-T-D-E-B-R-U-I-N. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a steady stream of CTO Brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes each week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, remember that if things aren't breaking, your company isn't growing.